Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Alan, I'm doing great, buddy. I had my typical breakfast of six farm fresh eggs, half a rasher, bacon, and a pot of piping hot coffee. I am ready to go. Wow. Well, the bathroom's right up the stairs and around the corner to the left. I already know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> let the coffee do its work. Just saying. Yep. Let the good times roll. Yeah. <laughs> LOL and yuck, as yeah. somebody would say. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think we get another one of those today actually coming up. Uh, several. Yeah, yep. that's true. Well, speaking of today, today we're covering season three, episode five, Media Blitz. Media Mark. Blitz. Yes. Yeah. Interesting episode. Uh, lots of guest stars. And uh, w- let's just dive right into this one. Let's do that. I agree. What do we usually do? Well, Mark, what we usually do is we say a few things here. So I'll say a few things. Uh, this week's episode had a runtime of 2119. It first aired on February 17th of 2011. This episode was directed by Dave Rogers. This is the only episode Dave directed for this show for Parks and Rec. Uh, he was a, a little more uh, directy, did more directing on The Office, uh, and uh, more recently here with uh, some other Greg Daniels shows, Upload and Space Force. Oh, interesting. Yeah, huh. so he's uh, he's in the Greg Daniels camp apparently. And this episode was written by Harris Whittles. Uh, the late Harris Whittles, and this was his fourth of 12 episodes that he wrote. Very funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah funny guy. Mark, how about uh, you? Now, you say some stuff, and I think we call them synopsises. Uh, I've heard of these things you say, synopsises. Yes, let's dive in. All right. Well, See how this works? I say stuff, you say stuff. Uh, this is brilliant. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Occasionally, Constantine whispers in your ear. Uh, you tell him to get away with his onion breath. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the half rasher bacon that's thrown me off this morning. All right. So I I I, I, try, I wanted to break up the story into as you know many shards as possible. And I so the judges may be mad. I chose three this this time. Okay. All right. So the A story I have as Ice Town Clown. That was Constantine's that wasn't mine. All right. Good job, Constantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We see you. All right. Leslie, Tom and Ben start promoting the upcoming Harvest Festival, starting with morning radio show Crazy Ira into the Douche. The duo asks Ben questions about his time as a teen mayor in Partridge, Minnesota, where he bankrupted the town, to which Ben responds very awkwardly, stammering incomprehensibly and unable to defend himself. Tom proposes just dumping Ben entirely from future interviews, but Leslie says they need him for budget related stuff. He's the numbers guy. Unfortunately, Ben's past comes up again and again. First, during Leslie's interview with Shauna Mulway Tweep, who asks why Pawnee should accept financial guidance from someone with such a poor track record. And then with Perd Happily, when Tom and Ben have an interview with him, hopefully doing better. But as it turns out, they do much worse. Ben launches into a furious, incoherent rant and and several businesses consider pulling their sponsorships from the Harvest Festival. Alan, it's chaos. Trying to desperately stay focused, Leslie decides to use the upcoming interview on Pawnee Today with Joan Calamezzo to perform damage control. What will happen? Can Leslie control the damage during the Pawnee Today interview? Will Sweetums end up canceling the Fat Coaster? Is there actually a bird flying around in Purd's studio? Does Ben ever have to sit in the spank chair? Will Ben ever learn to English well? Stay tuned and find out. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. So many questions. And we'll provide so many answers. Yeah. We always tackle the hard hitting questions. That's that's what we're about. It is what we're about. Yeah. Just top notch journalism right here on this thing. That nothing but. Up in the his house. 
is in the, his house. Yeah. Um, so the the B story there, uh, my creative juices are gone because I'm feeling logy on account of the breakfast. So yeah, it, I just say that bacon's working its way through your system right it's, now. It's called it, it's, I just called it Andy and April. All right. So the B story. After discussing some details with Chris, April accepts his offer to work for him in Indianapolis, saying she has nothing keeping her in Pawnee. When Andy finds out, he begs April to reconsider, offering to take care of stuff she hates doing for a month. This includes, but is not limited to, such things as running the permits desk, writing a thank you note, doing a project for a photography class, rubbing Donna's feet. Ron volunteers to help, claiming he does not want to lose April as an assistant, while denying he cares about their relationship. Andy's difficult day of running errands for April culminates with him getting arrested after April's sister Natalie claims he is kidnapping her when he's merely picking her up from school. As always, we ask the hard-hitting questions. Will Andy and Ron ever finish April's list? Does Donna stop adding things to April's list? What even is the spirit of melancholy? Can Andy convince April to stay? Only time will tell. Very nice. All right. And you said you had a C story today as well, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. And depending on if you like it or not, either I or Constantine came up with it. <laughs> um, so the C story, uh, again, no, no creative juices here. It's just called Chris and Ann. I see how you just kind of like, you know, the, the air went out of the balloon somewhere between A, B and C. Yeah. You know what happened? <laughs> Love that sound effect. That's All right. So Chris and Ann, C story. Yep. Ann is growing increasingly frustrated, not knowing the future of her relationship with Chris something which is exacerbated by Chris making a point to ask April if she will accompany him to Indianapolis. During a pleasant lunch, Anne drops several obvious hints that she is not tied down to anything in Pawnee, including her own house, which Chris does not seem to pick up on. Eventually, Chris does mention to Anne that after Indianapolis, he will be sent to a different city. How will this turn out? Will Ann and Chris ever talk about their future? What town in Indiana do cows outnumber people 40 to 1? Does Chris help Ann with her feng shui? Can Ann be any more obvious? Never fear, loyal viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very good, Mark. I don't know. I felt like Ann was being obvious. Yes. To answer I agree. Her, her question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to let that play out and see what happens. Mark, let's move into our AKAs because clearly in your, uh, you know, your storyline naming, you didn't give us your all today. So I feel like maybe you saved it for your AK. Oh, did I ever? I saved it, boy. And then here is what it is. Yeah. Um, I got one. So, <laughs> so it, it comes from when uh, Ben and, and Leslie and Tom go on crazy ira in the douche. Sure. And um, <laughs> I think it was their first caller that came in and I just cracked up and he said, and I quote, because yeah. they're talking about his ice town stuff, oh, yeah, you sure. know, yeah. uh, when he was a teen mayor, and the, the guy says, uh, you know, he just douching around in Eagleton there. And he says, seems like 18 is pretty young for a mayor. What were you like? 12 <laughs> cracked me up. If it weren't so spot on stupid people, then it wouldn't be funny. But I think because it is real life, imitating art, imitating real life, it's just funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. What you it got? It's good stuff. Well, Mark, you know, I, I got the cheat sheet from uh, from the judges. And of course, so therefore, I also had three storylines. So uh-huh. I just did one quick one per, um, you know, the main storyline with uh, Leslie and 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 Tom and uh, Ben all running around trying to do this media blitz. Um, there, there's a point where Tom's just so frustrated with Ben. He says, well, we should just slap a pair of Ray-Bans on a calculator because that would be more charming. Love it. <laughs> so good. So Tom, so direct. Yep. 
Uh, Andy, as always, is well-meaning but stupid and therefore has somehow convinced himself that this letter that he needs to write, this thank you card for April is for his grandmother, whose nickname is Gizmo. Gizmo. So he says, this is for your Gizmo. (laughs) (laughs) And the looks that come out of April's face following that are just terrific. Oh, yeah. Uh, That one would be a great one to play, but so visual. Yep. And then the last one is, you know, Chris and Ann, Chris being Chris, he really wants to define Ann's Bagua. So I I don't even know what that is, but it just made me laugh because it's uh, such a triggerism. I thought it was something from Star Wars. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Wasn't it a swamp? Wasn't that where I Yoda- know what baklava is? I get that when I go to Greek. Places. Oh, no, that Yoda, he, is, he was in Dagobah. Dagobah. It's close. Close. I wonder if Yoda has feng shui. Oh, we should find out. Yeah, we really should. All right, Mark. Well, that's a, a terrific set of AKAs. Let's move into our episode breakdown for this week. And I think we agreed to play the cold open. It's just that good. Yeah, let, let's so let's have Constantine do that. Let's do that. Hey, Constantine, tee it up for us, buddy. I found this typewriter next to the courtyard dumpster, an old Underwood 5 with original carriage return. Oh. Took her home, polished her up. Bought a brand new ribbon off of electronicbay.com. <laughs> okay, somebody's got to do something. I'm getting a cluster headache. Oh, 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 he's leaving. Let's go. I'm gonna throw it away. No, I'm not. It was a billion tons. What is he typing anyway? <laughs> if you sons of bitches try to remove this typewriter, I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm gonna type every word I know. Rectangle. America, megaphone, Monday, butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So good. If you're going to end a list of every word you know, butthole's not a bad choice. Uh, I mean, you know, the list is going to end somewhere. It really does. Yeah. I, I, you know, I love April's. Uh, April does a great job of mugging to the camera as, as always. always. And and she's being, as, as is the whole gang, being driven crazy by the constant clackety, clackety, clack, clack, which we could hear there. Um, so funny. Although I got to tell you, I think, Alan, that you and I are, are of an age that we remember when, you know, typewriters were. Mark, I took a, a class thing. in high school called typing. I did too. Yeah. Keyboarding. See, I'm more fancy than you are. Yeah. See, somewhere you're a couple years younger than me. And I think they eventually got to that keyboarding thing because it sounded cooler. Yeah. And we just called it typing. It's just a fad. And then you know what? After that, though, they quit offering it. Yeah. My daughter, nothing. Yeah. She, because you should just absorb that from the environment. Well, she can type a billion words a minute with two thumbs. So I guess as long as all keyboards are thumb orientation, She'll be fine. Yeah. We're not going to teach you how to type, you lepton. Just get in there and start doing it for crying out loud. I believe the, the word's leptard. <laughs> well, we don't we don't use that term. Oh, no. All right. No. Pat, thank you, Pat Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to talk about Pat Oswald. Oh, my gosh. Me too. So good. Yeah. He's already agreed to come on the show. We're buds. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's not that's a lie. But between now and then, I, I hope to become buds with Pat Oswald. Oh, me too. Yeah. Anyway. Well, following the cold open, Mark, Ben enters Leslie's office and he's the bearer of some bad news. 
Yeah. Ben tells Leslie and Tom that the awareness in general for the upcoming Harvest Festival is still pretty low. Yeah. And therefore, these upcoming interviews could be pretty important. And that's when I think Leslie tells us via Talking Head that they're doing da, 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 a big media blitz, ergo yeah. the title of the episode, yeah. um, to get to publicize it and get awareness up. Um, so they talk about their first interview that they're going to have, which is, as we already said, uh, on the morning radio show, Crazy Ira in the Douche, 93.7 FM. Uh, which Leslie and Tom apparently think is really funny. And Ben, I don't think he gets it. Ben is the, the uh, Ben shtick is not getting things. I think this is maybe a first. Uh, maybe. Really? The first time Ben doesn't get something and everyone else does. See, I, I agree that this is a trope. I'm wondering if he hasn't done this before, though. This seems so Ben. It does. Yeah. And for it to seem that way already, maybe we just missed that. So we definitely add it to the trope list for today. But yeah, there are a couple things here real quick, Mark. You know, uh, Ben mentions that it's 34.2% actually. And, you know, then Tom goes into his, <laughs> I am Ben. I am a numbers robot. <laughs> So, yeah, Ben the Numbers Robot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then, you know, the other thing that made me laugh here was, you know, that obviously Crazy Ira and the Douche are Pawnee's most hilarious drive time radio guys. Yeah. But the Tom says, yeah, so much better than Tubby, Tony and the Papaya. Yeah. The Papaya gets way too much media attention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, they had those dismal ratings and they had to, you know, <laughs> cut it loose. Yeah. 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 The Papaya actually went on its own. There's a spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. He actually became a detective. <laughs> All right. I think we're on to something. We're going to have to stop the podcast and workshop this idea. Yeah. I think you're right. Because if we let this go, Mark, we may never get back here. I agree. Let's stop sub-referencing. <clears throat> well, following that, we go over to Chris and Ben's office for a moment. And Chris and Ian are working out some kinks. Uh, of, a, of a nature when April briefly enters and offers to come back when things are a little less weird. Yeah. Your description is good. Uh, it's, it's a really weird thing. They're, they're exercising. I'm going to try to describe this. Yeah. Chris is bent over. So his torso is parallel to the ground and is back to back with Chris laying on. This top. is not like some Kama Sutra thing, right? It's more like a Jenga puzzle. Um, Anne is back to back with Chris laying on top of him. So she's kind of like looking at the ceiling while he's bent over looking at the ground. Uh, she's suspended off the floor and Chris is apparently doing squats with both of them. Now, if you thought this was weird with me describing it, you can imagine what April thought when she, you know, walked, walks in on it, walked yeah. into this, uh, weird uh thing um it reminded me of someone trying to pop someone else's back like you me know, too home chiro chiropractics yeah yeah a poor poor man's chiropractic yes um so april tries to leave and chris is like no 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 and do lunges over there and then chris talks to april about saying well have you uh thought about my offer and after some back and forth april finally agrees to do it i think chris having internet you know in his office, Colin finally made her do it. Uh, and she does make the comment. I have nothing keeping me here. You know, typical April angst. And Anne is in the background during this conversation, by the way. And she's clearly not happy as she still has no clue what's going on regarding her relationship with Chris, even though, you know, April seems to have more of a clue now than she does. Well, it's funny that Anne and April in, are in similar situations, but April's clearly more in control of hers. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way I to think, put it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, Mark, following that, we pop out into the hallway for a moment. And as April is leaving the auditor's offices, she's immediately intercepted by Andy, who appears to have been waiting on her. Well, you know, Alan, Andy is aloof uh, and and uh, he tries to play it off. But, you know, like, hey, that's weird. Hey, how are you doing there, April? There uh, and what just what happened with that meeting? Are you going to Indianapolis? Don't go to Indianapolis. <laughs> and he, he says, what can I do? What can I do to show you I care? Um, and he finally hits on it. He, he will do everything she hates for a month. Uh, and she agrees to a quote. Fine. If you do everything I hate for a month, then I might begin to think about the possibility of thinking about maybe staying. Wow. And Andy's kind of excited. I mean, he'll take it. Yeah. You know, he, it's, he's excited that he has a chance to do something. And later April later tells us in a talking head that she basically has no intention of changing her mind. Well, not unless he can unkiss Anne. See, I think we need to keep working on that time machine. You know, <laughs> clearly there's another person who could use it. Yeah. I, uh-huh. Yeah. And we need that. We know that our, our the future of humankind needs this relationship to work. But but you know, Alan, if if Andy wants to take her dumb sister to her dumb dance <laughs> class, then she's not going to dumb stop him. Oh, that's so good. I love Andy says that's all I have to hear. You won't live to regret this. Yeah, <laughs> almost an AKA, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, over at ninety three point seven, which is the groove of Pawnee, Mark. Uh, which is also WPQR, by the way, just for those tracking at home. It's got lots of different names. Huh. Crazy Ira and the Douche are expressing their appreciation of the space program. <laughs> yeah. Are they ever? Oh, my gosh. It is. Space farts. Um, which, you know what? So space farts, hearing that, you have now like 70% of their shtick. Pretty much. That, that's it. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Crazy Ira and the Douche. Uh, with China Joe uh, at the side playing sound effects. Mark, I have to tell you, the second I saw China Joe, I went, there's our Constantine. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think you're right. Sorry, Constantine. <laughs> Don't look sad. We love you. Uh, kind of. All right. So after some juvenile crass humor, space farts, farts, more farts. More farts. Um, the the douche introduces the gang played by Nick Kroll, who I really like, uh, introduces the gang, saying that they're there to talk about the Harvest Festival. Leslie does this with eh, mixed success. Like she gets her message across kind of, but her words are constantly intervie- interweaved with more juvenile humor, farts, farts and more farts. Um, it's interesting to me, Alan. It's clear Leslie thinks it's it's kind of funny. Tom yeah. thinks it's way funny. Oh, my God. Ben just standing there, fused and a little disgusted, mugging at the camera with his I don't get what's happening here face, which we're getting more and more accustomed to. Like <laughs> we you really said. are. Yeah. Mark, you mentioned that uh, the douche Howard, the douche Tuttleman is played by the great Nick Kroll. I also would have mentioned that uh, Crazy Ira is uh, acted by Matt Besser. And they, those guys do a great job. They are your typical uh, morning drive time radio shock jocks. Shock jocks. Yeah. Is and, that, uh, is, did they really have that as the douches, the douches name? Yeah. Was it say it Howard, again? Howard, the douche Tuttleman. And if in later we're going to, he's going to, the dude should be in several episodes, just a little bit of a spoiler alert. And there's a chance at some point he'll, he'll have a little bit of a storyline outside of the, the radio show. Yeah. And, and Leslie refers to him and, and does as well as Howard. Huh. So it's, it's true to form, but, and so they, they, they had claimed that way back when. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good name. Yeah. Great name. <laughs> 
Uh, Tom is so taken with the whole thing. I love, he's just giggling as we leave this scene and uh, set up the next scene. And he's like, China Joe, you're a poet, which I don't know about that. Well, and not only that, but, but there are certain sound bites that they continue to play. Like one of them is apparently crazy. Ira's mom says, crazy Ira, clean your room. Oh, yeah. And they, when, when China Joe plays this, you see Tom mouthing this. Yeah. So like he is truly a fan of this. the show. Yeah. 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 They, they have a regular shtick, which Tom is certainly familiar with. Yep. Yeah. Well, back at the parks department over at the permits desk, Andy is working his way through the list of April's least favorite things and is starting to understand why she didn't like this particular one. <laughs> I just have to make mention of the of the opening scene. This made me laugh so hard, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> this guy comes in, kind of elderly guy, and says, my bird's missing. I need a permit to post signs. And Andy says, okay, well, just let me look for that form. There's no time. He can fly. <laughs> he's so mad. Oh, it's so funny. Anyway. But he's not wrong. No, no. Time is of the essence, Mark. Those birds are wily bastards. You let them fly and there's no telling what they're going to do. They'll probably just fly. Anyway, so <laughs> this is crazy Pawnee citizens at their best, including bird guy. And then also, uh, you know, a mom comes in with her young son who is apparently hitting Andy repeatedly with a plastic bat. And Ron sees this and asks Andy to step away for a second so he can talk to him. And I think it's also to give Andy a reprieve from the child mercilessly clubbing his nuggets. <laughs> well, then so Ron brings Andy into his office and says, why are you doing this? Why are you working the permits desk? And Andy tells him, look, man, this is my shot. Like April gave me this list. I'm trying to do it for a month. Ron questions whether this is actually going to work. And he's like, dude, this is all I got. I got to take this shot. You see Ron kind of grimace and then he says, OK, I'll help you with the list. And this causes Andy to give Ron a big bear hug, which Ron is not a fan of. And he, he Ron claims in a talking head. Yeah, I don't care about the relationship. I just don't want to lose April. You know, I can never find a worse What's assistant. assistant? Yeah. But you kind of got to wonder at this point. No, I think I think Ron is feeling this and maybe a little more worried than he would ever let on for sure. But, yeah. But to his point, you know, where is he going to find someone as bad as April? Oh, she's the total package. She really is. Yep. Well, back over at the radio station at WPQR, <laughs> Crazy Ira and the douche are happy to see Leslie, but they're a little bit more interested in someone else with her. Yeah. They want to convince Mr. Ben Wyatt to sit down and join them so they can talk to him. Ben is not real comfortable, but he hesitantly agrees. But then is bombarded with questions regarding his being elected to mayor of Partridge, Minnesota at 18 years old, which we knew about. Um, and this included how he bankrupted the town when he blew the whole budget on Ice Town. <laughs> um, getting grilled by both the radio hosts and callers, Ben attempts to respond, but comes across very awkward, stammering and sweating the whole time and clearly coming across very poorly. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, first of all, they they start off by insulting his hometown, saying, you know, it's a hick town. Which, uh -huh. You know, funny, but probably also true. I'm guessing. Well, but for Pawnee to call someplace a hick town, well, that's a good point. But even even Kentucky makes fun of West Virginia. No well, offense, Kentucky. You got to you got to punch down. <laughs> and no offense, West Virginia. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> no, we love you, West Everybody's Virginia. Everybody's got somebody. That's yeah. the point. Yeah, that they make fun of. Yeah, right, Constantine. <laughs> Oh, crap. We may have found the end of the trail. <laughs> oh, come back. All right. Just look what right. you did, Mark. Oh, I know. 
All right. Well, he's so uh, sensitive. He'll come back. He'll get hungry and he'll want some food. That's right. Yeah. Mark, this is also where your AKA came from. Your your one and only. <laughs> Seems like 18 is pretty young for a mayor. What were you, like 12? <laughs> <laughs> Cracks me up. Uh, so funny. Yep. Yeah. Well, Mark, at this point, Tom has had enough and he pulls Ben aside to check in with him and let him know that he's embarrassed him. Uh, and then, you know, later on, Tom's going to pull Leslie aside, too. There's lots of asides here. There, there is a lot of asides there for, for everybody to enjoy. Yeah. Tom is clearly mad at Ben for embarrassing him in front of the douche, which, you know, is not a sentence you'd normally hear someone say, but go figure. Ben is a very apologetic and admits that he's apparently still not over all the ice town stuff. Like, I don't think he ever worked through it completely. And that's part of why he's kind of thrown for a loop. And I think he's just realizing that. I think he is just realizing. It. Yeah. Leslie in typical Leslie style tells him, Hey, look, no worries. No worries. It's okay. You did fine. And Tom, can I talk to you in private in another room? And this is totally not related to Ben. Good job, Ben. Come here, Tom. And, and Leslie pulls Tom into yet another room. So they're like looking through a clear window at Ben. Yeah, they can see him. Yeah. But he can't hear them. Yeah, it's like the engineering booth. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Tom, like where Constantine sits for us. Oh, is that what he's doing in there? Yeah. Is that, oh, I just thought he was being creepy. Well, he's doing that too. Okay. Tom says, your boy's a disaster. <laughs> your boy is a nightmare. Your boy's a nightmare. There you go. Um, Leslie, and he wants to ditch Ben completely because, I mean, look, look what he just did. But Leslie maintains he's our numbers guy. We may need him if the, anybody asks us a question that's budget related, which I guess makes sense. Sure. Um, so Leslie and Tom talk a little bit of strategy. Leslie says that she will do the newspaper interview with Shauna Mulway Tweet. Right. And Tom can take Ben to the Channel 4 interview with Perd Happily, convinced that Perd's a big softy. It'll be a puff piece. Yeah, Ben's having problems, but he he can do this. I mean, come on. If he can get through anything, he can get through this puff piece. And then we have a final shot where the douche uh, comes up to Ben off air and asks, hey, you know, how do you like Pawnee? Just real innocently. And Ben, even now, like off air and not being grilled, is still like clearly shaking and stammering. And he's Leslie and Tom are watching this from the engineering booth and they're getting a little bit nervous. Like, oh, I don't know if he can do this. <laughs> The douche says, and Mark, it's not even like he presses him on something like that should make him nervous. He, he's making small talk. Right. So how are you liking Pawnee? And Ben's response is, there are lots of cars. I mean, not too many trucks and stuff. <laughs> but, you know, cool. Good talk, Ice Town. Good talk, Ice Town. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, he's a man like coming apart at the seams is what he is. Oh, he, he is having a meltdown and it's delightful. Well, over at Ann's house, Chris and Ann are sitting down for a nice lunch. And Mark, if they keep this up, the birds and rabbits and Pawnee are going to need to move over to Eagleton. Yeah, it is. Uh, this is a lunch that Ann put together from clearly Chris inspired ingredients. Um, lots of nuts and. Well, she's doing everything she can, I think, to show that he he should take her with him to Indianapolis. I mean, she's basically becoming a female version of Chris or trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Um, but yeah, she, she's doing everything she can do to make him like realize, Hey, you know, you need to come with me. Um, so they're enjoying this lunch out of nowhere. Chris decides he wants to help. And, uh, with her, was it her Dagobah swamp, her, her Bagua, her Bagua, her yes. Bagua, that, which is yeah. a feng shui thingy. Um, I think, um, and, 
to which Anne says essentially, hey, that's cool. Yeah, I'm not really attached to the way this stuff is arranged or the stuff or this house or anything. <laughs> I'm not really attached to anything in Pawnee. I don't really need to stay here. Hint, 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 hint. And, and he's not he's not picking it up. And it, she didn't. Isn't this is she having a, a talking head at the end of this? And she says, yeah. uh, am I to the camera? Am I not being obvious enough? I feel like I'm being obvious. And she is. I don't think she could be any more obvious. I know. Well, and I think this this goes to, you know, this is going to set up some future scenes that will be very funny. But, you know, Chris is just so polite. Sometimes it's really hard to tell what he's thinking and if he even heard what you said. Right. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Well, back at the Parks Department over in Leslie's office, Leslie is sitting down with that interview with Shauna Malway Tweep and is once again just trying to be helpful, Mark. She's only maybe offered up 10 to 12 possible headlines for this story so far. Sean is pretty good at being polite and just li- yeah. I think I think she knows I need to listen to Leslie until she gets tired and then she'll eventually run it's out like of steam. Watching a small child. They'll run around the room. That's right. And they'll eventually just fall down. Yeah. Give Leslie's Leslie some some sugar, let her get the, the headlines <laughs> out, and then we'll go on. So yeah, after Leslie tires down, uh Shauna asks her about the Ben story that the douche blew wide open, i.e. Ben Wyatt bankrupts the town, comes to Pawnee, tells us how to spend our money. What? Leslie assures Shauna that there's no story there. He's just a civil servant doing the best he can. And Shauna seems somewhat eh, bored and disappointed with that answer because, you know, it's not really exciting. However, Leslie lets it slip, apparently, that Ben is, you know, also easy on the eyes. This makes Shauna perk up and smile. And now she asks Leslie, well, what is the nature of your relationship with Ben? And now a flustered Leslie attempts to answer but does not do well. Alan, it's almost like she's taking a page from Ben's book. Very much, Mark. Interesting. Same thought. Yep. Hmm. Yep. They don't call them Bensley for nothing. Wow. Methinks she doth protest too much. Yeah. Well, Mark, you know, they're they're just colleagues with benefits. <laughs> poor, poor, <laughs> poor choice. Oh my God. But at least everything she said is as always, Mark, off the record. <laughs> as always. See ya. Bye. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, Mark, Ron is now getting excellent output from his Underwood Five, and he's ready to help Andy tackle this list of April hate items. <laughs> <laughs> the next item on the hate list, writing a thank you note to her grandmother for a birthday check. Oh, yes. And it, apparently it has to be really good on account of it's five months late. <laughs> um Ron is excited at the prospect, like as you alluded to, of getting to use his old timey cliggity claggity uh, typewriter. Well, Mark, if anyone's going to appreciate this, it's going to be a grandparent, a typewritten letter. How nice. I, I think that you're exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mark, you know, what's interesting is that Andy, um, you know, God love him. And he, I know he's trying to do the right thing here, but it, I think there's some evidence he may not be the world's best listener. Right. Uh, he, he isn't sure exactly what. April calls her grandmother, maybe Gamma, uh, maybe Nana. No, uh, Gizmo. 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 Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, so so Andy uh, excitedly goes to April's desk and hands her the final uh, typewritten uh, product, the thank you note uh, yeah. to her Gizmo. Yeah, that and, was my AKA. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that is your AKA. And she spots several glaring errors, including A, it's April's grandfather, not grandmother. Oh. B, 
Andy thanks her or him uh, for giving April five hundred dollars, but it's really just five. Uh, and and C he apparently sends along a mouse rat CD, <laughs> which has nothing to do with April, but apparently he's deaf. deaf LOL. Um, and April seems a little bit exasperated at Andy's uh, thank you tomfoolery, especially when he goes, "Oh, okay. Well, so are, are we good, or do you want me to make these changes?" <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he really is glad that, you know, she's a beautiful and amazing young woman. And that is one day he he that she hopes to be half the woman her grandfather is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. He could be incredible. He could be. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, we're going to pop over to Tom's car and Tom and Ben are on their way to their next Harvest Fest media opportunity. When Tom decides that they need to make a quick stop and take out some garbage. Well, well put. Yeah. I think Tom's driving the, the Haverford mobile. Yeah, sure. And Ben's in the passenger seat. And, um, as he's driving, Tom gives, uh, Ben a couple pieces of advice or tries to help in two ways. I guess I should say the first is he instructs him in the ways of the quote Haverford schmooze, which is apparently three easy steps. Step a smile. Step B, friendly physical contact. And step C, flattery. I, I saw this, Mark, in my head as a late night infomercial. Mm-hmm. I think we got to go to work on that. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Constantine, make note of that, buddy. All right. And then the, the other way that Tom tries to help is, as you alluded to, Alan, uh, Tom takes him to the mall. And when Ben asks, what, what the hell are we doing here at the mall? He says, we're getting you a new suit on account of your suit looks like garbage. <laughs> Your suit's garbage. Like, no, Brooks' brother boys doesn't make garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yep. Well, back in Ron's office, next on April's list, and apparently another thing she's been putting off, a photography assignment. Yeah. Th- th- those April's so diverse. We didn't realize this. I had no idea. Yeah. So, yeah, Andy seems rather befuddled and asks, Ron, if he can figure out what in the hell this is about. And so he he looks at it and the assignment is encapsulate the spirit of melancholy. <laughs> and you would think that Ron would be puzzled by this. But instead, he's like, got it. And he start he takes his camera or the camera there that I think is in the thing. Yeah. And he just starts taking pictures of anything and everything like, boom, a sad desk, <laughs> boom, a sad wall. <laughs> and then Andy is kind of looking at him. And Ron explains just very briefly. Love it. It's art. Anything is anything. It was, oh, okay. Um, and at the end of the scene, we see Donna. I think she's eavesdropping. I, I don't know if she meant to or not, but she she kind of caught wind of what's going on there. So I think she's getting the gist that Andy's doing April's work. Yeah, and she's going to catch up with him in a second. But right as as Andy is leaving the office, he, Ron takes a picture and says, "Sad floor." <laughs> And Andy goes, it does look kind of sad. Oh, sorry for stepping on you, Floor. Yeah, yeah. He actually becomes <laughs> contemplative for a second. Oh, my God. It does look sad. I'm sorry uh, for stepping on you, Floor. Well, you'd be sad, too, if people were stepping on you all day, Mark. I always am. But you're exactly right. Donna has overheard this, and she now grabs April in the hallway. And she doesn't disapprove of her scheming. She actually wants a piece of it. Yeah, I think April is afraid at first that Donna is going to call her out and instead she's like no 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 i just want you to share the wealth can can, can you put something on your list for me and then this dovetails quickly into an, another scene where we see um 
Andy is at the central circular table in the bullpen. Donna is sitting there beside him with her foot on his lap. And Andy is apparently massaging Donna's foot. And that's bad enough. But then Jerry comes up and wants a turn. Andy glances over at April. April gives him a thumbs up. Oh, and sure. goes, oh, All right. Poor Andy. LOL. And yuck. Because <laughs> on account of Jerry has a corn so big that you could slap butter on it. Oh, my God. It's so gross. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I no longer need lunch today, Mark. No, no, that did it for me. Yeah, but I do like butter. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, over at NBC4, which is WTNW, Mark, in case, you know, for those playing along at home. Yep. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Ben and Tom are going to go on PURD. That's right. Welcome to Ya Heard with Purd. I'm Purd Happily. The story of our guest today is that they are from the Department of Parks and Recreation. I love Purd. Anyway, so they're, what a Purd! They're they're in. Tom and Ben are in their interview with Purd Happily, and Tom is very smooth. Um, you know, bumps fists with Purd, sure. and then Ben's like me, me, me too. Purd and tries to like just. I mean, just from the get go, from the get go, he's just awkward and <sighs> stammering and, and uneasy. Just, just very. Um, having said that, he we don't see him do anything horrible. No, this scene ends just awkward. Just, just kind of awkward. But the scene ends with a lull in the conversation and there's kind of this awkward silence and you get the feeling like Tom and Purd, who are carrying the conversation are now both looking at Ben, maybe just to see if he has something to add. And you get the feeling like maybe something's about to happen. Scene ends. But I think we're going to see here in just a second what happens. Yeah, we're, we're not immediately let in on what's going to go down here. Right. Yeah. But, you know, they did cover right before we cut away, Mark, that, you know, this uh, carnival is going to be amazing. Uh, Sweetums is even building a plus size <laughs> roller coaster for some of Pawnee's That's right. more obese thrill seekers. You must be this wide to, wide <laughs> to ride. Oh, brilliant. Uh, that's going to be a pretty big roller coaster. Yep. Yeah. All right, Ben, say something. Well, over in the bullpen at the Parks Department, Mark, this is back in the days before text and social media. So the gang's curious about how things went. And, uh, you know, with Purd, and they have not yet heard. See what I did there? They have. You did the rhyme thing. Yeah. You're a poet and you don't aren't aware of it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a little later, we see Ben and Tom arrive at City Hall. This is ostensibly after, you know, the interview is over. And Leslie goes, oh, hey, guys, you know, how how'd the Purd Happily interview go? And Ben stammers for a second and Tom just says, let's go to the videotape. And he holds up a DVD and they the gang are watching this now playing video. Actually, Alan, what do you what do you say we have Constantine play this? I think this is a really good clip. Let's do that, Mark, because I'm not sure we could uh, do this one justice. No, I don't think so. All right. Hit it, Constantine. Let's go to the videotape. Look, who hasn't had gay thoughts? <laughs> who? You OK? You're yeah, I'm fine. Fine. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I might need glasses. Is there a bird in here? I swear I keep seeing a bird in the studio. Maybe that's How did this happen? To it. He was fine until Bird started asking him about the boy mayor's stuff. What's wrong with you? You look psychotic. I was 18 when I was elected mayor, okay? So excuse me for that. Cindy Eckert had just turned me down for senior prom. Do you know how that feels? I should call her. I should. I should. No, I shouldn't. And I'm not going to. And I'm proud of myself for that. <laughs> 
And then he talked about feeling up Cindy Eckert for the first time for about five minutes. And then the show ended, as did our careers and probably Harvest Fest. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Uh, that is such a perfect ending uh, to that. So good. Yeah. Well, Ron had been looking this whole time to encapsulate the spirit of melancholy. He 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 was. And despite art and anything being anything, and he, he got the sad desk, he got the sad wall. Sad Ben is truly the spirit of melancholy. It, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that should be the title of the, his autobiography. The spirit of melancholy. Yeah. I like it. Well, Mark, you know, Andy, having had to rub so many feet, is now about 90 minutes late to his next task, which is apparently to go pick up Natalie. Yeah. So the, the next scene, once all the feet rubbing's out of the way, because LOL and yuck, Andy drive, is driving a van. Is Mouse Rat song playing on there? I couldn't tell. I think it is in the background. And I think this is one of the bandmates vans, in fact. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Anyway, it, it just doesn't matter. So Andy's driving up in, in a van. Well, I guess it does here in a second. Andy's driving a van to pick up April's sister, Natalie, like you said, and he pulls up next to her and Natalie is quite annoyed since he's an hour and a half late. And Andy tries to get Natalie to just to hurry up. Come on, get in the van and we'll we'll talk about whatever. Um, but upon learning that Andy is into April, Natalie asks Andy to wait while she, quote, goes to get her books. Yeah. Which Andy says, all right. She's a dance class, Mark. So, yeah, I don't know. But Andy's not maybe the brightest yeah, star know. in the bunch. Maybe she dances on the books. <laughs> well, Mark, we're going to cut away for a minute and we're going to be over at Leslie and Tom's office. And uh, Leslie is rallying the troops, trying to determine the best course of action for damage control. I think this one's going to be called Operation Hide Ben. Or Operation for Crying Out Loud, Ben, Shut Up, or Go Hide in a Hole, or yeah. something like that. I, I like all yeah. those titles. Yeah, me too. Three-way tie. So, yeah, Leslie and Tom are discussing strategy for damage control, like you said. Leslie just got off the phone with Pert Happily. I think she's going to have dinner with them, so, you know, good on her. Um, Tom, by the way, mentions that due to the Ben fiasco, zzz, plural, <laughs> uh, we got about a dozen businesses now that are thinking about pulling their sponsorships, including... Oh, right. <laughs> including Sweetums who might cancel the fat coaster. <laughs> um, Leslie trying to rally the troops says, okay, okay, you know what? Let's just focus on this next interview with Joan Calamezzo since she quote runs this town. And so, so maybe good. we can, we can kind of get some victory out of this. Uh, Leslie assures Ben that he's not going to go in front of the camera, which he is glad to hear at this point. Yeah. I think everybody's on the same page about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, back over at Natalie's school or dance class, Andy is being chatted up by the popo <laughs> and it's crazy, Mark. Andy shouldn't even technically be driving. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell. Was was that the a policeman or was that like a security guard? I think I it's a tell. campus security guy who has him momentarily tethered down and calling the real police. I think you're probably yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we see Natalie has come back to Andy, uh, not with books, as she said she was getting, but rather with a security guard in tow. <laughs> and apparently Natalie has the security guard thinking that Andy is trying to, quote, lure her into his van, to which Andy tells. Well, it's technically true. Well, to which Andy tells him, A, um, yeah, but she's being really difficult about it. <laughs> B, it's actually not my van. I stole it from a friend of mine. So you're right. And then C. 
I technically shouldn't even be driving because my license is like crazy expired. <laughs> so all of these are not good things to say to us, to a you know, security guard. So strangely enough, Alan, this leads to Andy getting arrested, <laughs> which Natalie gleefully documents by taking pictures with her phone and yeah. sending them to April. Before this is all said and done, Mark, we got to talk about Natalie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And we thought April was the crazy one. I know. So, yeah. Well, back on the set of Pawnee today, Leslie and Joan are preparing to go on air. And Tom is giving us an up-close look at this uh, so-called Haverford schmooze, Mark. That he is going to demonstrate for Ben. Yeah. Leslie and Tom are with Joan Calamezzo, you know, on the on stage. And uh, Ben is standing behind the camera trying to be unobtrusive and unnoticed, you know, as you would figure he would. Leslie is seated and she's ready for her interview. Tom is standing next to Joan schmoozing here, yes. as you just said. So then Joan starts the interview with Leslie, immediately attacking the Harvest Festival and especially attacking that Ben Wyatt. Yeah. And Leslie starts to defend him. But see, this was interesting. I think this was a moment of inspiration, I'm going to say, that she decides to bring Ben up in front of the camera saying, well, if you want to ask him questions, you know what? Let's just go for it. Yeah, huh? get him just, over here. Just ask any questions about his past or present. Let's just get it over with Ben. Let's get up here. And I don't think Ben's really... Uh, thinks this is a good idea at all. But Ben reluctantly joins Leslie, sits down next to her, and he he kind of begins to repeat his stammering, awkward moments from earlier in the day as people start calling in. And so it, not a great start. Not a great start, but, you know, Leslie has a plan. We're going to assume that she knows what she's doing. She's kind of still keeping it under control, and she's basically running Joan's show here, which Joan just loves. <laughs> rude rude <laughs> this this feels like a like a hail mary by leslie like an all or nothing move like either either ben's going to come up here and redeem himself yep. or we're going to go down in flames well i'll tell you what at this point i'm not sure that ben could hurt himself much worse than he already has you know what i can't argue that yeah that's yeah. a good point the only way to go from here mark is up yep or lateral when you're in hell, the only way to get out of hell is to go through hell. There, there it is. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Ron Swanson. <laughs> well, you know, we're over at April's desk for a moment and Ron is offering April some fishing advice, even though she doesn't really fish. Yeah. Fish are gross. Yeah. They're basically just a, another vegetable, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the pigeons of the sea. Um, so, Yeah. Ron gives April some thinly veiled mm. um, advice about fishing, so to speak. I think his his quote is, which I really, really like. When you have a fish on the line, you don't just drag it behind the boat. You yeah. either reel it in or you cut him loose, especially if he's a nice fish with a big, lovable fish heart. <laughs> so <laughs> hmm, I wonder what he's talking about. April tells Ron she kind of scoffs at him and says, look, you don't know what you're talking about. But she does look somewhat uncomfortable when faced with this information, like she's kind of thinking yeah. about it a little bit. And then to top things off, this scene ends with her finally receiving on her phone the picture her sister Natalie took uh, showing the nice fish. Or I mean, Andy uh, <laughs> getting arrested. Uh, she's got a little smirk when she sees that as well. You know, but, you know, maybe Ron doesn't know what he's talking about because maybe she really does hate Andy and maybe moving to Indianapolis to get revenge is a really good idea. Yeah. What, does, what does he know? What does Ron know? <laughs> well, it's a beautiful evening over Anne's house and she and Chris are enjoying some aromatic 
Verusian tea, Mark. Sounds delicious. That sounds like it's from Star Wars. I think every, I think everything's from Star Wars lately, but I think it really does. Um, anyway, it's yeah, it, it's mostly dark out. It's a nice, calm, beautiful evening. Um, Anne and Chris are outside on the porch of Anne's house. They're drinking this Yoda tea together. And Anne brings up the fact that he's leaving soon and that they need to figure out what that means for them. And she's afraid she's going to be, con- you know, Chris might construe it as she's being clingy. But Chris goes, no, 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 no. You know what? You're exactly right. This is something we need to figure out. And we should do this right now, much to Anne's relief. And it, it, Alan, it should be noted at this point, we don't get to see or hear what is discussed. But this appears to be a setup to let us know that they're ready to discuss it. Yeah, there's going to be a conversation. We're not necessarily going to be a party to it, but right. we know they're talking it out. Right. Before he makes this move to Indianapolis with his little pit stop to Snurling, Mark, which I, I believe is the, the town with the 40 to 1 cow ratio. Oh, my gosh. It sounds amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to go there. I mean, it's got to be, what, 20 minutes from here? Yeah. We should really figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Day trip. Oh, day trip indeed. Yeah. LFP Worldwide Headquarters, if they can just foot the bill for, you know, a, a, our, our trailer like we usually do, we're, we're there. All over it. Yep. Well, Mark, back over at Pawnee today, the brutality continues, but if things may be starting to look up for Mr. Icetown. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark, why don't we play this clip and then we'll talk through it a little bit. Good plan. All right. Constantine, would you cue that up first, please? Yeah, why should we trust this Ben Wyatt guy? Because I'm trusty. Trust <laughs> me. I'm trustworthy. And I am working very hard to make sure that this town gets back on its feet. Here we go. Okay, great. Next caller. So I looked you up on Alta Vista and I found out that the last seven towns you've gone to ended up bankrupt. Okay, first of all, why does everyone in this town use Alta Vista? Is it 1997? And second, I am a budget specialist. I went to those towns because they were bankrupt and now they aren't. And yeah, I screwed up when I was 18, but who doesn't do dumb stuff when they're 18? Joan? Stole my gym teacher's husband. (laughs) So there you go. Well, what else you got, callers? Going once, going twice. Oh, here we go. Yeah, hi. Um, Can you tell me more about the corn maze at the Harvest Festival? Are dogs allowed? Well, there you go. That looks like it ended in victory, Mark. (laughs) I got three points to make here. (laughs) First of all, Mo Collins is a genius. (laughs) I I stole my gym teacher's husband. (laughs) And then the looks to to, to Ben and Leslie in the camera, just like so good. Um, She's terrific. Yeah, she really is. Um, Second... Yeah, this seems sort of like vindication for uh, for Ben, but I got to kind of wonder. I don't know if we made mention of this when they were with Crazy Ira and the Douche. They also used Alta Vista to to look up the facts about Ben. And you're like, true. What, what? What? Why? There, this town is some sort of technological time loop. Oh, man. I wonder if they use uh, eight tracks. I don't know. And, and third, it does seem like this has them back on track. So I don't know that this necessarily erases the whole day of tomfoolery, but it looks like now maybe, you know, the last caller is actually asking about the Harvest Festival. Yeah. So that's got to be a good sign. Yeah, I think he he something happened there. It might have been the Alta Vista thing. I don't know. Whatever it was, <laughs> that, that, that was an inflection point for him where he just kind of 
regained control and kind of just started speaking like a human being again. So, yeah. Yeah. He, he became Ben Hulk. Ben Hulk. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back at the shoeshine stand, it looks like Andy's a genius and his plan might have actually worked. He has had quite a day, Alan. He and, sure and, has. And April walks up to him um, and I, I like how she approaches him. She says hello and she actually steps up on the first step of the shoeshine stand because April is very small and, 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 yeah. and Chris Pratt's very tall. Yeah. And so she steps up on the first step and so she's kind of like more of a height with him now. And she asks him how the day went and Andy puts on a happy face saying that, it, you know, oh, it's super fun. And, and where's tomorrow's list? And, and you know, I'm ready to go. And she's shaking her head in disbelief, saying, you want to do this again tomorrow? And Andy just very simply says, yeah, that's, that's the, the deal. That's the deal. I'll do it for a whole month so that you don't leave. And then we fans get the moment we've been waiting for yep. where this slow burn is now over. April leans forward, grabs Andy kisses him and and i think forgives him as well as is implied here the moment we've been waiting for yep. well as long as he is the only person as long as she is the only person he has kissed today he's pretty positive yeah <laughs> <laughs> well mark i think the only thing left is our kicker it's the following day and you know the footage from you heard with purd just continues to entertain you know i really like this because as you said, they're at at City Hall. Leslie, Tom and Ben are once more watching the video of his Pert interview, except this time it it feels like Ben is owning it yeah. and that they're laughing not to be cliche, but they're laughing with him and not Adam, et cetera. So yep. they're all now just looking. Oh, my gosh, this is hilarious. This is great. Um, well, he's finally getting to the point where he realizes how ridiculous he was. And I think he's better off for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that my, my favorite part by far, and Ben even calls this out on himself, oh, is yeah. where Purd is trying to gracefully just end the segment. <laughs> and he Purd says, okay, that's all the time we have here on your herd. I'm Purd Happily, Channel 4. And Ben is now like leaning back in his chair, very like <laughs> disrespectful. And it's like more like turd craply. <laughs> 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 that caught me so <laughs> off guard. Oh, love it. Bravo. Thank you very much. Fade to black. Fade to black. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, excellent breakdown, Mark. Let's do this. Uh, we got a lot to talk about after this. Let's take a break real quick. And when we come back, we will uh, we'll talk about a few things. We'll give scores and we'll all go home. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Do you enjoy festivals and stick-based meat delivery systems? Can you at least spell the word harvest? If you said yes to either of those, then you really should stop talking to yourself. But either way, we have a perfect evening planned just for you at the upcoming Pawnee Harvest Festival. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. The Parks and Recreation Department, of which I am the director, has been indulging in a so-called media blitz to promote the aforementioned Harvest Festival. However, while my employees have artfully covered the go-to media staples of television, radio, and newspaper, it has come to our attention that there is such a thing as a podcast, which is apparently a thing. As a result, this advertisement is an attempt to leverage that very thing and to further raise awareness of said event. According to Leslie Nope, my assistant director, quote, 
Since 1938, with the exception of the last few years due to another misguided budgeting hoo-ha, the Pawnee Harvest Festival has been Pawnee's greatest tradition and was one of our most beloved institutions. As a magnet for thousands of tourists from southwest Indiana and beyond, guests would arrive in droves to come here and gaze at wonder at how fat our citizens were, and also to enjoy the many splendors of the Harvest Festival. Well, this year we are back, and we look forward to seeing you all again soon. End quote. I will personally add to this and say, rest assured that whether your entertainment preferences skew towards exciting rides such as Sweetum's Fat Coaster, you must be this wide to ride, or towards the sweet, salty, greasy trifecta of food perfection, there is indeed something for everyone at the Pawnee Harvest Festival. And don't miss this year's new specialty item, the Payday Porker a fried payday candy bar wrapped in maple bacon. Mmm. When you get to the entrance to purchase your ticket, be sure to tell them Ron sent you and receive a 25% discount for a Little Sebastian, Little Red Trash Can for your small garbage needs. Get it? It rhymes. That's humor, son. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, you know, real quick on the deleted scenes. Again, we watch the DVDs every week to just see what we might have missed. You know, right. And there was no commentary for this episode. So all we really had was deleted scenes. And we didn't have a lot of them. Um, two minutes, 52 seconds. Oh, wow. Four scenes. The, the first one is just basically this premise that Anne is joining the cult of Chris Trigger. <laughs> mm. And you mentioned it in today's breakdown. You know, she's doing everything she can to kind of put herself out there so that Chris hopefully has this idea that she wants him to have that he should take her to Indianapolis. Right. And there are two scenes. He's doing these weird stretches in his office and she's having a little talking head. They go out for a jog. So we mm. actually get to see Ann Perkins jog. Wow. That's a whole new thing. Yeah. Crazy Ira and the douche are, are visited by the queen, which was pretty oh. funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, apparently they tried to get Leslie to do the tag for the show, which, you know, we've had actually some people do that for us. And it's always fun and awkward. And uh, she, she did not do a good job. No, she Beyonce didn't. did it better, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's either that or go to the spank chair. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, you, yeah exactly. And then the last scene was and then we'll move on was uh, apparently, you know, when things went really poorly at the permits desk, Andy couldn't. You know, he gave the fishing form for the hunting license. Uh, he called in Burt Macklin to help. <laughs> <laughs> He'll straighten everything out. He was going to straighten everything out. Well, Mark, uh, from there, we we usually move on the tropes first, fun facts, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. I did not have a lot this week. How about you? I had I had some. So I, I had. What you got? I had a couple for firsts. Um, one is, I believe it is, I believe it is the first for Crazy Ire and the Douche. Um, so I, I did mark that. Yep. 93.7 FM. And then the second one I had, I think that this is true. This is the first time that Leslie has ever said anything regarding Ben being attractive. Yep. Clocked it. So. Yep. Me too. Okay. Yeah. And I, I did not remember this being the genesis of that until I watched, rewatched the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think from a first perspective, the only thing I would add is it's the first time we've seen all of Pawnee's mass media outlets on the same episode. Maybe the last time we ever see it, too. Oh, that's true. 
kind of neat though. Like you said, you know, we had uh, Crazy Ira and the Douche played by Matt Besser and Nick Kroll. Uh, Allison Becker was back as Shauna Maui Tweep. The fabulous Mo Collins as Joan Calamezzo. Yep. And uh, the terrific Jay Jackson as Perd Hapley or Turd Crapley. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, so good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about tropes? Um, I had a couple. I had, well, you go first and I sure. want to bring it home. So I had BAM. We introduced this one recently. Ben's Awkward Moments. <laughs> there were so many I lost count. Nice. Um, we had a little bit of PBJ, but not as much as normal. There's always something there. In fact, I don't even remember this one. Uh the only PBJ moment that I recall is when Jerry asked if Andy would rub his foot, but he kind of PBJ'd himself by saying, I have a corn that's so big we'd slap butter on. I don't think that did they we made... have no PBJ. I don't think that we did. I'm going to disqualify my my uh, my thought here. You know, just put that under goofs. They'll be fine. <laughs> Alan's goofs include. <laughs> but, oh, my God. There were so many. But no, that, that's a that's a good point. We so frequently have PBJ. I just automatically type it down and say, now, what am I going to fill in well, with it? The letters PBJ have burned into my screen here. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why I did it. Yep. Um, I did have as a trope April's crazy sister. Oh, good uh, one. Yeah. I, I don't know if a person can be a trope, but, you know, we've met her once before. Uh, she's she's played by an actress named Minnie Joe, mm-hmm. And I got to believe that outside of Aubrey Plaza herself, um, she may be one of the world's other most awkward people. Yeah. 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 We we saw her before, I think, when Ron went to April's house yes. and met Zuzu. Zuzu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrific. How about you, Mark? What tropes did you have? Well, I had six and wow. and one of them is crazy Pawneeans, which I, I called out just because of the permit desk. Not as crazy as All the right. town halls, Ballad. but yeah. 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 So here's the deal. His bird is flying, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> the guy Chris cracks me up. Oh my God, he's so funny. Um so here's the thing. The other five all Ben, which I think says something about this episode yeah. and how they proceeded with mm-hmm. them. We got Bam, which you yeah, called out. Bam, well Bam. done. Uh, Ben's awkward moments. Uh, PBB, punching bag Ben. Yes, we did have that. I called out ITC Icetown Clown because Icetown is a thing now. That's a good point. <clears throat> and it won't always be a thing. It won't be referenced forever. Um I, right, right. I have BMC, Ben Mugs to the Camera, which he is so good at. Um, I also had Biggie or BDGI, which stands for Ben Doesn't Get It. Okay. And we talked about that one earlier. Yep. I do think that's a valid trope because uh, we know it's going to have some hysterical context coming up shortly. So, I mean, I'm not trying to beat this horse with a dead stick or strike <laughs> that, reverse it. Um, but five out of six are Benisms. Yeah. That says something. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make a prediction about something. Hmm. I wonder what that could be. MVP. Hmm. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Did you have any goofs? I had no goofs. Um, I would say, yeah, I'd, if there were. Other than yours. Other than mine. Yes, yeah. I made the goof. <clears throat> <clears throat> no, I didn't have any, Mark. How about you? No goofs. I had one fun fact. Me too. Um, mine is that um, Ben Wyatt's story, they and which trying to rebuild his political career after humiliating public spectacles, teen mayor, blah, blah, blah. That story was originally a concept that 
Parks and Rec creators had considered for Leslie during season two. Yeah. But they kind of backed off of it, but then brought it back for yep. Ben. Is that what you had? Uh, I saw that one online. That's not the one I had. Oh. I had a different one. So, uh, you know, cra- Crazy Ira and the Douche, played by Matt Besser and Nick Kroll's, we've mm-hmm. mentioned, are both former boyfriends of Amy Poehler. And in fact, she Get did Nick Kroll for about three years. You're making that up. I am not making that up. If it's on the internet market, must be true. No, actually, I had some. I had some previous. I did not know that. Yeah, I had some previous knowledge of the Nick Crawl. I didn't know she dated Matt Besser in addition, but I thought that was interesting. So huh. I know that Amy, you know, with UCB and all of that as well. You know, she's brought in kind of her sphere of influence right. and, and people uh, many times in the show. So I wasn't surprised by that necessarily. But um, yeah, th- those two guys are great in these roles. So yeah, definitely good to see them here for the first time. Yep, and we will see them again. Yep. Well, Mark, let's move into our scores. I think that's all we got left to do. All right. Let's get into the scores. All right. Well, I, I know that you're you're literally on the edge of your seat wondering this episode who my MVP is going to be. That's mostly because I got to go to the bathroom, but you're right. So uh, my MVP, no surprise, is going to be Adam Scott as Ben Wyatt. I mean, at this point, I don't see how you couldn't give this episode to him. Um. So a couple things on there. I, I read a comment from a gentleman named uh, Joel Keller from TV Squad who complimented Adam Scott, calling him a current generation Bob Newhart, which I thought was brilliant, brilliant. which is brilliant. I'm a huge fan of Me Bob and Newhart. I wish I'd thought of that. And I he, hate that guy. I know. Yeah. Right. And and I love Bob Newhart. I love his style of comedy. I think this is right on the money. You know, Adam Scott is one of those actors who can just give someone a look and it conveys everything that you need to know about what his character's thinking. And, yeah. and he does a great job of that. So just a couple comments. You know, Mark, it's interesting. Our younger viewers probably don't know like the Newhart show right. or, or Bob Newhart, but they might know him from Big Bang Theory. Yes. I was <laughs> just thinking that. Yeah. And, and he he's classic Bob, no matter. He always plays himself, basically. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> he's so good. He is so good. Yeah. Good. Good callback. So a, a couple of things about this episode. I got a few good things, a few bad things. Some good things. Obviously, great, great character development for Ben. Who continues to be more and more interesting, even though he's the straight man and even though he's still I I think he's still an outsider to Pawnee at this point and thus arguably more, quote, normal. It's clear he has his own personal brand of crazy. And you know what? I like him more for it. Yeah, me too. Back and more relatable. As a matter of fact, because of that, back in flu season, you remember how both Leslie and Chris had these moments of crazy lunacy. Yes. And it made them so much more effective. And I feel like this tradition continued here with Ben, who was capital N nuts. Well, it's true because Ben during flu season was a straight guy. He didn't get sick. He he, he literally carried water or soup for people. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. But we didn't get to see the zany side of him. We did here. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And, And we needed that. I like it. Who hasn't had gay thoughts, Mark? I'm. I have nothing to add, um, <laughs> but you know what? I, I want to make a call out to also good character development for Ron. It's yeah. clear. It's it's clear at this point and well done by Nick Offerman. It's clear he cares about April and Andy very much in his own Rontastic way. You know, as a matter of fact, if I had to pick a runner up MVP, Nick Offerman might be it. I thought he did a great job. Um, I said this before. I'll say it again regarding April and Andy. It's been a great slow burn to a great payoff with April finally forgiving, you know, Andy. So, you know, good on them. Yeah. I love the yeah, ending yeah. there. Um, a couple bad things. I feel conflicted about Crazy Iron and the Douche, to be honest with you. So on the one hand, I like Matt Besser and Nick Kroll. I think they did a good job. And I, I but I feel like 
I feel like there's not enough umph there to have them on screen for more than, say, a couple of minutes. I, I don't know if it's just that I'm not a fan of toilet humor. And you know what? I understand Tom liking them. I don't know if I understand yeah. Leslie being a big fan of it. I, I think Leslie, I, I don't know. I don't know if she really feels that way or she sees them as a necessary evil as a means to an end here. You know what? That's true. I could also see her being affectionate towards them because they're a part of Pawnee. Yeah, they're part of the culture, the local culture, not her thing. Right. But everybody else likes them. That's well said. And you know what? I think that's going to hold up in her future endeavors when she goes on that radio show and they do their normal stuff and you know even grosser than today in fact sometimes um she's she's a reluctant participant usually yeah 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 good good call out so yeah i just i like it but i feel like it went on a bit long so i got a little bit bored the other thing that i was a little bored with was unfortunately the chris slash ann storyline you know i think that they can be very effective and funny together i think they've proven that already but their storyline in this episode just felt a little lethargic, like from a plot perspective. It was it was OK. I get why they were doing it. But in my mind, I feel like we needed some more funny from this arc. It, this, yeah. I feel like it was definitely the weak link in the show. So and all right. Enough talking. The Mark score. I'm going to give this a four point five base score. I thought it was well done. I thought it had a good plot. I thought it had great humor. Um I'm going to give a whole bonus point for a great performance from episode MVP, Adam Scott. I'm going to give a half point to Ron for helping Andy with lists all day, giving advice to April, just good stuff, good character development. I'm also going to give half a point to Andy is I, God help me. I love Chris Pratt. He is, he is perfecting his craft here. I think at being one of the most lovable dimwits on TV. I love it. I'm going to give half a point, believe it or not, for what I thought was a decent use of the comedic bench. It was pretty well distributed, maybe not equally among everybody, but I feel like everybody at least got a couple scenes. Considering how much and how many guest stars and everything going on, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which, speaking of which, I'm going to give a half point for our awesome guest stars, Mo Collins, Allison Becker, Jay Jackson, Matt Besser, Nick Kroll. Mini Joe. Uh, Good job for all those. Um, All recurring characters, I believe. Um, And then I'm going to give one more half point (laughs) because this cracks me up during the height of Ben's meltdown. Purred happily, more like turd crappily. So, Alan, you add all those numbers up. My final score, eight little Sebastians. I feel like this episode had some freaking outstanding moments in character development, and it probably would have rated much higher for me if it weren't for a few Uh, Let's call them pacing problems. You know, Um, I also thought this is you and I've talked about this before. I thought this was another interesting episode, example, rather, of Parks and Rec bringing a little bit of cringe into the mix, a la The Office to bring the funny. But, you know, Alan, like the wily ghost pepper. Oh, boy. The the you know the. Like the Wily Ghost Pepper, the cringe is very strong and potent and is only needed in small doses to be effective. Or at least that's what I believe. So it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. What you got? That's pretty good, Mark. I I can't disagree with anything you said um, except your score. No. Oh, no. Um, No, not not terribly so. I think like usual, I might have been slightly more nice nice than you were. (laughs) But but let's do this right. First, I'm going to give you my top 10 slash 30 moments of the show. And this always speaks to my score. So I want to go through this real quick. So 
Um, I love that Ron's new Underwood 5 is giving April a cluster headache and it weighs a billion tons per Tom. Yep. I didn't know that was actually even measurable. <laughs> um, and if you sons of bitches try to remove it, Ron will kill you. Yes. That was just so funny. Uh, you know, a non-plot relevant cold open, but a funny one. And there you go. Yeah, they'll scamper out of his why office. We, why we played it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I love that China Joe is a poet, according to Tom. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, the writing in this show is really good. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Um, there's go, there are going to be ponies at the Harvest Fest. Mm-hmm. I love the foreshadowing for that. Yes. That was uh, very subtle, but it's there. Yep. Um, I love that Tom thinks we should just slap a pair of Ray-Bans on, on a calculator because that's <laughs> going to be more charming than Ben. Um I love that this meal that Ann and uh, Chris are eating is basically has the same ingredients as bird feed. Yep. They're healthy. I can relate. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Leslie and Ben are colleagues with benefits. Oh. Uh, But, you know, that's not on the record. No. Um, This letter is for April's gizmo. I still can't (laughs) get over that. (laughs) I love that we're even talking about something like encapsulating the spirit of melancholy. I don't know whose idea it was, but I loved it. Jerry's corn is so big you could slap butter on it. <laughs> yeah, well, and yuck. yuck, yeah. <laughs> um, the Sweetums fat coaster. Oh you <laughs> must be this wide to ride. Oh my god, so good. Um, uh, boom, sadness. That's the one. Yeah, uh, that maybe should have been the AKA for the episode. <laughs> um, Andy's an hour half late because he had so many feet to massage. Yeah. Uh, Joan Calamezzo runs this town. Love that line by Leslie. Yep. Uh, and it seems to be true. Uh, today's guest is Leslie Nope, who is here to talk about this year's Harvest Festival and how it's going to bankrupt the city. Uh, this yep. adversarial thing between Joan and Leslie just kills me. And we still got to do the, you know, Leslie and her enemies episode of this podcast one of these days. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Purd Happily, more like Turd, Turd Crapley. There yeah. you go. Well, those those are my top 10 slash 30 moments of the show, Mark. And, you know. I, I agree with everything you said about balance. I would say I'm going to give it a half point higher than you did. I gave it an 8.5, <gasps> mostly because I, <laughs> nice, mostly because I feel like the funny was there. They delivered on the funny. Yes, a couple of the things like the the crazy Ira and the douche probably go on a little too long, and maybe we could have gotten something else just to make it feel a little more balanced, and maybe another uh, maybe they could have spent that time to make the Chris and Ann storyline less boring. That would have been brilliant, right? Yes, because I think they've made those the, them funny before, and oh this, yeah, this situation is got three's company written all over it, so you know it's hysterical. Um, <laughs> this is the one where they have a misunderstanding. Yeah. 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 So um, every second. It's no two and a half men. It's not two and a half men. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't you get me started. Uh, and I love I love Ducky. I do. And mm-hmm. I feel bad about it. Every time I mention that show disparagingly. And, and I even like the Charlie guy. He's OK. But <laughs> the Charlie guy. OK. I loved him in, in uh, you know, 16 Candles. Yeah. Yeah. And Hot Shots. No, not really. No. Just 16 candles. All right. Anyway, so eight and a half, little Sebastian's mark. That's where I'm coming in this week. You know what? (sighs) I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think that your score is good. Mine's better. Look, I, don't look <clears throat> at the meal I've made for myself and covet it, Mark. You had your choices. You made them. I don't know what Live covet means. Uh, I, I would say, no, you know what? Honestly, in, in all seriousness, as I was going through this, I was so impressed by the Ben character development. I was yeah. so impressed by the Ron character development. I thought yeah. Andy was a completely funny goofball. See, everything you're saying adds up to like an eight and a half. I don't know yes. why you didn't give it one. Because I'll tell you exactly why. Because as I was going through this, I actually had the number eight and a half. And as I was writing this, the, the two things I mentioned, it's almost like you're suspending disbelief, like you're enjoying it and you're in this world of Pawnee. And those two things took me out of it. It's like, mm. oh, this this kind of this temporarily sucks. Let's get back to the hilarity. If those parts weren't there or if they'd been a little bit funnier, if they'd been as consistently funny as the rest, eight and a half for sure. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. OK. Well, we're not that far off. And no. That's been pretty much the theme, I think, throughout the the scoring of, of the episodes we've done to date. So but I'm right. Yeah. And uh, one of us is right. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. Well, Mark, next week we'll be back with episode 3.6 titled Indianapolis. We mentioned that last week. Yeah. That's where we broadcast from. So we're we're looking forward to covering that. And then the week following that is uh, our, the episode right after that is going to be Harvest Fest, which we're, of course, building up to here in our storylines. So really looking forward to knocking out those next couple of episodes. And we're going to have a special interview with Mo Collins That's coming right. up. Yeah, we're starting to talk about that and, and when and how we're going to air that. I think you may see some of that uh, coming up and uh, looking forward to all of those things. Yeah, me too. It, and Alan, if, if I'm not mistaken, isn't the next episode in Indianapolis as the sixth episode of season three, doesn't that mark the end of where they stopped their recording? Because you know how they they did the first six episodes. Ah, good point. Yeah, they they tacked those on to the end of season two because of Amy's pregnancy. And so, yeah, they recorded 30 episodes. Indianapolis would have been the last of them before they went to break. Right. And then they came back, filmed the rest of the season, and then finally aired Episode one of season three. Now, I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to affect anything. It's just kind of interesting to note. No, it is interesting to note because you got to imagine that their energy levels and this what they're bringing to the table every week is affected by this huge, long stretch of extra stuff. Right. 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 And so um, very interesting. Let's keep that in mind as we look at these next couple episodes. Agreed. We'll see if they come back and harvest us all refreshed. Yeah. Yeah which I think they may. I think they may. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us and we look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>